Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. This is a little bit different topic. See, the title is Your Radiology Department in 2020, and when did you come up with a great title like that? Well, I was giving one of the uh, keynotes at the Canadian Radiologic Association at their annual meeting in Montreal. I think it was the 73rd annual meeting last weekend. I do appreciate the invite, and uh, the night before the meeting officially started, I gave this opening talk, and actually Paul Chang from University of Chicago, previously University of Pittsburgh, then gave another part to the same topic, uh, which worked out very nicely, even though we had never spoken about it. Uh, and then I gave a couple talks the next day, and this was kind of an interesting topic, because it made me sort of think about what it is we are, where we're going, and I think that was a lot of the point of the meeting, where is radiology going? So let me just share with you uh, the lecture I gave there, and what I'll try to do is not really change it a whole lot, so I'll even keep in the same jokes, which may not be funny to you, but I think were pretty funny when I was in Canada. And actually, um, I, I made the point that uh, it was a pleasure to be in Montreal, and uh, uh, a lot of people travel a lot, and I don't travel all that much, but uh, you know, people like Britney Spears, famous uh, people in music, travel a lot, and Britney Spears you know, had made the point that I get to go to a lot of overseas places like Canada. So it was great to be in Canada. I had made that point in part because some of my colleagues had mentioned that I might not be able to get to the meeting because of the volcano. And in case you remember the volcano, that was in Europe and did not really reach Canada. And I did make the point also at the meeting that the volcano was kind of interesting because I had a uh, had helped on a chapter and I needed to get the information back to the principal author, Philippe Soyer in Paris. And at times I am late, but this time I was actually on time. But Philippe had not got the information and kind of asked me where it was. And uh, we tracked our Federal Express package that we had sent. And here was the Federal Express website. A volcano eruption in Iceland has delayed FedEx shipments to and from Northern Europe. Um, that was pretty impressive because all of us have been late on things, have had excuses, you know, the dog ate the homework, etc., etc. But no one could ever invent the excuse that there was a volcano and then the planes couldn't fly and then the, the dog sleds wouldn't go and yada, yada, yada. So anyway, I think it made it there eventually. Okay, what about uh, 2020? Now, predicting the future is very hard. Um, I think uh, anyone who's ever tried to do that uh, knows how difficult it is. If it was easy, you'd be really good at picking horse races or picking stocks. But um, sometimes people just aren't all that smart about the future. Um, the one thing I will say is I will admit that everything we do will change. Uh, not everyone's always felt that way. Uh, Charles Duell, who was head of the U.S. Patent Office in 1899, decided to resign because he felt that his job was going to be ice you know, would be obsolete momentarily because everything that can be invented had been invented. Okay. He was just a little bit behind the times. Um, you know, not being able to predict a future is, is not really that big an issue in the sense is even the smartest of people can be wrong. Uh, Tom Watson, who founded IBM, made the point that I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. He made that comment in 1943. And, uh, I think what happened was he made this comment when the question really was how many computers will be at the Fishman residence in Owings Mills. And then he was pretty close, but uh, or my office, let's say. So he was a little bit off. And even Bill Gates, who's the smartest guy in the world, made the comment 30 years ago, 640K ought to be enough for anybody. I think he was just off 
by a few terabytes. No problem at all. Now, I've also had to predict the future. I wrote the state-of-the-art article in radiology, uh, or I was the first author, on 3D imaging and made the point, which was true, that 3D was becoming a valuable tool for diagnostic and therapeutic display of digital information. And I made the point that in 91, and we submitted the article about 1990, that as radiology entered the 1990s, we predicted that one of the major achievements would be the widespread diffusion of the technology. Well, it became more diffuse than it was in 1990 or 1991, surely, but even in 2010, 20 years later, it's still not mainstream. It's still used by a select number of people and a select number of institutions. So I was a little bit off, and I can show you a number of articles I wrote between 1991 and the current time where I've made the same statement that within a couple of years, and sure enough, here's an article, Radiographics 06, we predict that within a few years, 3D imaging will no longer be a subspecialized or a specialized study done on select patients, but will be part of the routine review of uh, simple cases. Now, that was five years ago or four years ago, and I guess within a few years, I still have a little bit of time. So we're getting closer, and 3D is becoming more important, but still is not you know, the same as axial imaging. Um, the smartest of people, Albert Einstein, was probably very smart because he said, look, uh, I never worry about the future. It comes soon enough. And the problem with the future is if you come up with really good ideas, or at least you bring up ideas, it's not always a simple thing because a couple of good quotes... Um, it's much easier to be critical than to be correct. And so you have the naysayers always. And the other thing is, even if you plan, and the best of companies, the Cisco's, the Apple's, the IBM's, the biggest institutions all plan on where things should be going next year and three years and five years. But we all know that innovations never happen as planned, that you try to plan things, but you need to also be very flexible in execution. Uh, Yogi Berra probably summarized it best. Yogi Berra, as all of you know, is one of the great philosophers of the 20th century and 21st century. And Yogi made the point very true that you've got to be careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. So maybe we ought to at least think about it. Now, the other thing I do find that uh, people tend to do is people have do things a certain way that maybe is not the best way, but they waste a lot of time just trying to make that better. And great quote by Peter Drucker, there's nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. Okay, so what we're saying also is don't just be thinking about what you do and try to do it 5% better. Maybe you should just junk the whole damn thing and start again. So we'll think about that. So if you ask me the question, what's going to happen in 2020, 10 years from now? What's going to change? What will stay the same? I would have to admit that everything is going to change and nothing will stay the same. Okay, so I'm very optimistic when I say that. And if you have to look at the future, the easiest thing to look back is at the past because it's easy to predict. Well, you look at CT scanning, go back 10 years, you're at the four slides going to eight slides level. And within four years, you're at 64 slides, which was the critical point. But even since then, we've gone to dual source and 256 and 320 and high DCT. So there are many things that are continuing to change. And if you just think about it, where can you be in 10 years from now in CT? Good question. But you can see, if you look at the past, the past truly predicts the future. And here's just that chart going over a 25-year period. The speed, the slice thickness, the number of slices, all of those things became different and changed how we practiced. Technology decides 
how we practice. It's not like I sat around or any of us sat around saying, I need a scanner that can give me a submillimeter thick sections and do it in a few seconds. And you can see a 64 slice, everyone surely was happy to do an abdomen, look at the liver, pancreas, kidneys in 10, in 10 seconds or less. But now we have dual source, which does it in 0.5 seconds. Okay, things change, things progress. So the future is somewhat predictable, but often not that predictable. You look at images, uh, I'll just show you a few images. This was, if you're really good, this plastic hips. This was on the Siemens scanner using a shaded surface rendering, 1982. This plastic hips, and here was the first run Bob Drebin and the guys did at Pixar without our help. And you can see three different colors, fat, muscle, and soft tissue, and bone. This was called the fat lady, but you can see with a little bit of work with us and people like Derek Nye, Here's how it looked three years later. Look at the muscle detail. Now, this is very impressive considering this is four millimeter thick sections every three millimeters and a total of 60 slices or so. And if you take the same thing fast forward to today and you take this scan of the pelvis with a renal transplant, and if I want to look at that, here's how I really do look at it. From the kidneys to the vessels, you see the dilated left ovarian artery which is a millimeter to two millimeters in size, and we can take the bone away and look at things from the posterior position, see the anastomosis of the patient's renal artery to the iliac, and again, think about the details. You never thought about looking at vessels in the past. You couldn't. You couldn't scan fast enough, and so even if the 3D display was there, it would not have mattered because you couldn't opacify the vessels to the degree we have it here, and so things side by side. One change that happens in a different area allows you to make other changes. So nothing is really predictable. Now if you look at radiology in general, we talk about the big four and it really these days to me it's the big two, Siemens and GE, but okay Siemens, GE, Philips, Toshiba. What do they do? Well they do the data acquisition devices and the manufacturers have done a great job over the years advancing CT and MR and PET and combinations of the two, as well as, you know, Angio and everything else. They develop post-processing systems, 3D systems. They develop packs and wrists. They develop network solutions. They do many different things. Now, there are other companies, obviously smaller companies that focus on packs and focus on networks and focus on post-processing solutions, but these are kind of the big companies that do a little bit of everything. And so if you look at what they've done in the past and you look at the future, and if I only look at it and I think about CT, well, it's kind of simple. What's going to be the 10 years from now, the scanner? Faster acquisition times, okay, that's great, but we're getting close to zero as it is now. We're down to 0.5 seconds I mentioned a moment ago, but I'll, I'll give you faster times. Spatial resolution, I think with new detectors, new algorithms, we'll, we'll be closer to angiography. Classic angio at 0.2 rather than the 0.4 millimeters we are now. Undoubtedly, we're going to have lower radiation dose, and it's going to be significantly lower. We're making great strides now. But 10 years from now, it may be close to zero. I don't know, but you can know it's going in that direction. Things like dual energy will become more standard. Uh, companies like G are working on new contrast agents, so I think that will be something that you'll see. Targeted imaging, maybe agent-specific by disease. A lot of work being done there. I think you'll see that. I think you'll see more work on perfusion imaging beyond the brain, particularly as it gets lower dose. And I think we'll also see that the entire process from acquisition to post-processing, we'll have more use of expert systems. Okay, I think those are my predictions for the future, but that's not really all that brilliant or that smart or that difficult to predict.
Okay. What else? Well, if you think about it, you know, we have these scanners in the department and they'll get better. And then just like I said, for CT, MR, and ultrasound will change as well. But, you know, you realize that's only part of what we do. I mean, we read the images that come off these devices, but our workflow is so much dependent on other things because even the best of images can crash and burn if you have a bad pack system, if you have poor reading stations, if your network transfer is slow, if your post-processing workstations are poor or old or don't really exist. So everything beyond imaging becomes super critical. And even with the best of scanners, as I say, what else do we need? We need the rest of the process to really work. And it's my opinion that over the next 10 years, the biggest changes are going to be beyond the imaging devices themselves. And so I'll ask you a simple question. What's going to have a bigger impact in the practice of radiology? What's going to impact us more? Is it going to be the Siemens and GEs of the world or Apple, NVIDIA, EMC, and Harris Corp? Which is going to make? And when I list these four companies, uh, there are 20 other companies I can list, and I left off Cisco, of course, and I left off Google, and I left off Microsoft, which obviously can have major impacts. But let's take these four companies, because what do I know about these four companies, which you may know about or maybe you don't know about? Well, the first thing is Apple, of course. When you talk about display devices, mobile computing, you've got to be thinking Apple. iPod, iPhone, iPad i whatever i i i whatever is going to be coming along you got to be thinking apple and yes i know google has android that's going to be incredible and today hp bought palm and who knows what's going to happen there but mobile devices massive trend nvidia nvidia is the leader in fast graphic processing a lot of their graphics run nintendo and those type of things but also it runs our 3d devices they make very very fast processing uh, at very low cost. And of course, they're not developing it so I can do really good 3D. They're developing it because somebody can play Mario or Super Nintendo because you can sell like 8 trillion of those. But that's a major impact what they do on us. EMC is the world's leader in storage and virtualization. Uh, um, you know, they have all those capabilities, cloud computing. Now, of course, they're not the only ones. They have very secure storage. They have a lot of different components in their systems. And you could talk about you know, cloud computing, and you could talk about Amazon.com, you could talk about Microsoft, you can talk about Google, but let's think about EMC. It's just a simple example. And Harris, Harris runs the FAA, secure networks, the president's cell phone, all the battlefield communications, all first responders, and global networks. They have this HIMSS project with the government uh, for, you know, connecting together all of the components from veterans to NIH to Social Security. But you think about those are all components of processes that really impact on what we do. And if you think about it, what does a radiologist do? Well, if you say we read films, okay, that's partly true, but that's kind of not exactly what our goal is. What we do is something a whole lot more important. We change data acquired by different imaging devices into knowledge. And this knowledge is used to improve diagnosis and to improve patient care. And that's what you better be doing because if you're not doing that, in 2020, you're going to be flipping burgers or the main thing you're going to say is, would you like to supersize that? Uh, that's really where you're going to be at. So we got to be very careful. And so if I look at 2020, the trends that are going to be there 
data and storage will be in the cloud. Now, what's the cloud? Cloud computing. It means that your hospital may not have any storage. The images will be somewhere else, but you'll access them very quickly, securely, and safely. My gut feeling is that what we're going to see in the future is in the United States or being done in foreign countries like Ireland, for example, is central storage of all images. So if Joe Smith has a scan in Hopkins, but he previously had a scan in Albuquerque or Seattle or wherever, I can look at all those images in real time. Access to information will be on high bandwidth secure lines. Um, right now, you're going to look at this, uh, the networking we have now is the old days. You're going to think about it just like we think about now the old AOL where you dialed up on the phone and things would come across like molasses. Look at the new project that Google is doing, a thousand times faster than what we have now. We're in 3G, people are getting to 4G, it'll be 5G or 6G, whatever it is, everything is in real time. And real time will be real time, not just almost real time. And again, the tools that are being developed in other industries are going to help us manage workload, uh, increase our information at the time of our diagnosis, allow us to make better diagnoses. So let me do this. I've spoken a bit, and let's stop here, and let's pick up from this slide, and let's see where some of the trends are going. And I'll be right back.